What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, YouTube at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, even TikTok at Deep Dive FF. And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. Alright, divers, welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. It has been a long time, I know. Trust me, I know. So, this episode, we're going to get right into it. Not going to dance around nothing, we're going to get right into it. This is the only episode from me that you will need, okay? It's favorite targets by round. So I'm going to basically tell you exactly what all my teams are going to look like this year. All my redraft teams, this is what they're going to look like, all right? I'm giving you the people I'm drafting in every single round. That's what this podcast is going to be. That's what this episode is, and it's kind of the only thing that I can really do at this point because... Projections-wise, I I didn't get to do my projections. If you guys don't know, it takes me three hours per team to be able to statistically project every player on a team and the entire team overall. So didn't get to do that this year, but I have still been doing a lot of reading. I know a lot of stats, even though they're not things that I've discovered myself from doing stat projections, but I know plenty of stats. I feel very well-informed. I still have done a lot of research, just not the type of research that leads to me being able to pump out projections and podcast episodes like I used to. So this is uh, this is it. We're, we're going into the season, so here we go. So for the first round and the second round, all the players are good, right? So I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, my favorite person to draft in this round is this, because... Let's be honest, in the first and second round, it kind of depends on what spot you get. That's pretty much determining who you're drafting. So instead, for the first round, I will give you somebody I am avoiding, somebody I just refuse to draft, and that's Derrick Henry. It's not just because he's old, okay? Obviously, that is one of the cases to be made against Derrick Henry, and many people make that case, but it's not just because he's old. It's also because he is a running back coming off of an injury, a foot injury, and he is a monster, a beast of a man. And I won't be surprised if that foot gets re-injured. So we've got one, just age, and natural decline of age. Two, we've got coming off injury. Three, we've got the fact that the Titans might not be a good team, and they might not have the luxury of being able to run the ball 30 times a game like they have for the past three, four years with Derrick Henry. They may not have that luxury, so he may not get... 25 carries a game when he's healthy he might get 18 or 19 or maybe 20 and I'm just thinking about how because I know I've done projections for so many years I know how I do my projections and I know how that math works out and I know one of the things that would have happened if I projected the Titans was Derrick Henry would have lower carries than normal one because of the injury two because of his age three because of the fact that they're not going to have an as many carries to give around in the first place. Also, with Derrick Henry, you must consider this. A.J. Brown is gone. So not only are they probably going to be trailing games a lot more often, and they won't be able to run the ball as often as they want to, but also 
A.J. Brown's gone, so Derrick Henry's efficiency is going to go down at least a little bit because Traylon Burks is not scaring DBs like A.J. Brown is. Robert Woods is not scaring DBs like A.J. Brown is. Those safeties are going to come in a little bit closer. They don't got no burners. Traylon Burks is no burner. Neither is Robert Woods. Kyle Phillips, he's looking good, but he's not a burner either. They've got no field stretchers for the Titans. So without that field getting stretched, that box is going to become tighter, which, yes, yes, I know you're saying, well, that means if he gets out the box, it might be easier. But the safeties are going to be dropping. So, it's, I mean, he's still going to have his breakaway runs and stuff, but overall, his efficiency is probably going to come down. So, you're looking at less efficiency, coming off injury, getting to a very dangerous age statistically. And he's actually past the statistical age already because he's just a freak. So how long is he going to continue to be an outlier? Ooh, I don't know if I want to bet on that in the first round at 104, which is where he's going. So I'm avoiding Derrick Henry in the first. In the second round, I'm avoiding Nick Chubb. First, so we'll have, we have three names. So we'll start with Nick Chubb. He is going at 205. I'm avoiding him for multiple reasons. First off, even if Deshaun Watson... Even if Deshaun Watson played the whole season, I still would not like Nick Chubb here. This is too high. Too high. He's going as like a running back 9 or 10. That's way too high for me. And this is full PPR. The, the ADP is full PPR. And what I'm talking about, obviously, is going to match the ADP. So I'm talking about full PPR. That offense is going to be different. It's not going to be the old offense that it was. Whether or not, and we already know, so it's it's pointless to talk about if Deshaun Watson was there. I just wanted to tell you that even if he was there, I still would disagree with this ADP. But he's not there, right? Let's look at what what we know. He's not there for the first 11 weeks, so it's pointless to talk about him. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are not going to be able to produce the way they have. Jacoby Brissett is not anywhere near what Baker Mayfield was or is. Well, was because he was hurt. And the is version of Baker Mayfield, which we've talked about, that was the last podcast, is going to be much better than what we saw last year. But anyways, Jacoby Brissett is a downgrade. Let's not act like he's not a downgrade. He is absolutely a downgrade from what Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt have had as a quarterback in the room. He's even a downgrade from Tyrod Taylor, who was there before Baker. Okay, he's even a downgrade from... I mean, honestly, like most of the quarterbacks that have been there, he's a downgrade from them. And so that offense is not going to have many scoring opportunities. Nick Chubb is not going to have a lot of touchdowns. Nick Chubb might have a decent amount of carries. He might get more carries now than he would have if Watson was healthy. Because, yes, their total plays on offense are going to go down because they're not going to be able to stay on the field as much. But they, they don't have a quarterback that they just absolutely trust, so they're probably willing to run it on third and three and third and four more than most teams most teams are going to put that in the ball or put the ball in the hands of their quarterback if they trust their quarterback if they have a good one on third and four maybe even third and five you might see the browns running and sometimes they'll get get conversions but overall you're going to have less total place the run percentage might be higher than what it would have been with watson but you're getting less plays you're getting less touchdowns you're still splitting with kareem hunt and Kareem Hunt wanted a trade, was basically requesting a trade. The Browns refused to do that. So they clearly have a plan for Kareem Hunt still, and they still want to use him. And so what am I thinking is going to happen? Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, 
They're probably combining for maybe 25 carries a game. Well, Chubb is maybe taking 14 or 15, and Hunt's taking 10, 11, 9 here and there. But we know Hunt's going to get more receptions. He's going to be using the receiving game more. They're going to be behind a lot, so they're going to use the receiving running back more often than they used to in, in Kareem Hunt. And he's been more efficient in the red zone than Nick Chubb. So overall, it's just, I'm not, I don't see it. I, I just, I know Nick Chubb is one of the best, most talented running backs in the league, but the situation is not good for him. So Nick Chubb's a no-go at 205. At 204, there's another no-go, and that's Debo Samuel. Guys, there is a seven-round difference in ADP between Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Are you serious? Are you serious? Debo Samuel is going to get run. Yes, I know he's going to get run. He's going to get those carries, maybe three a game. And some of them, he might get a couple touchdowns over the season, over the course of the season from running the ball. But have we considered that he might not be the number one wide receiver this year? Brandon Ayuk, by all means, has been dominating in camp. Everyone is giving him glowing reports saying this dude has put it all together. Let's not forget how good of a season he had last year it especially how good of a half season that he had in the back half of the year he was insane I don't remember exactly but I'm pretty sure he was a wide receiver one in fantasy in the back half of the season last year if he just continues that plus we've got Debo Samuel George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk all supposedly healthy now okay Debo Samuel has not produced with all three of those people healthy none of them have none of them have have produced as very good fantasy assets when all three of them have been healthy so we're going into a season with all three of them healthy. That's a change from last year. One. Change number two. Debo Samuel is catching balls from a different quarterback who might not like him as much. That's change number two. Change number three. Trey Lance and that offense are going to throw the ball less than Jimmy Garoppolo and that offense did. Why? Because Trey Lance can run the ball. So Trey Lance is going to be way less likely to check off or make checkdowns. And he's way likely, way more likely to run on third and three, third and four, third and five, escape the pocket. He's not looking downfield. He might, maybe for a deep shot, but you know who's probably on the, the other end of the deep shot? Either their rookie Danny Gray or Brandon Ayuk. Probably the deep shot guy, not Debo Samuel. That's not the type of routes that he's usually running. So Trey Lance is going to be the catalyst of a less pass-heavy offense. So you're looking at less opportunity. So that's number three. So you've got less opportunity, you've got everyone being healthy, and you have just the the new quarterback in general. We don't know who he's going to like more. If he likes Ayuk, if he likes Samuel, maybe he's just going to go to Kittle a lot. So there's a lot of things changing. And also, we don't know 100% if this offense is going to be as good and efficient as it was in the past. What if it's not? What if Trey Lance is a bust? I don't think that's going to happen. I think he'll be fine. But what if he is? Then what? Debo Samuel's not going to just produce. And are we? is nobody worried about Debo Samuel's health? Like the, the hits that this dude takes on a regular basis, especially if he's getting utilized as he was last year? There's a chance he gets injured. You're taking him at 204? There's so many wide receivers after Debo Samuel I would prefer. And then the last one, super easy. Super easy argument to make. Josh Allen at 211. I'm not arguing that Josh Allen won't be QB1. I'm arguing that he won't be worth 211. Josh Allen, you should never be drafting a quarterback in the second or third round. 
It just doesn't make sense. Because Josh Allen is not going to be scoring eight fantasy points more per game than QB2, QB3, QB4, QB5. They're going to be in a very close range of points. So you're not getting a very big advantage drafting Josh Allen in the second round compared to the guy who's getting, let's say, Patrick Mahomes in round five or Kyler Murray in round six or Matthew Stafford in round nine. Think about this. You take Josh Allen in the second round and he scores 25 points per game, let's say. Somebody gets Stafford in the ninth round, okay, and he scores 21, let's say, let's just say 20, 20 fantasy points per game. So you're getting a five-point difference there between Josh Allen opposed to Matthew Stafford. But let's look at the guys in the second round. You take Alvin Kamara in the second round, and he puts up 18 points per game. The running back you're getting around Matthew Stafford in the ninth round, you know what he's probably scoring? Nine points a game. That's a nine, ten-point difference versus a five-point difference maybe at best between Josh Allen and Matt Stafford? No, thank you. It's just not worth it. And if you look at the metrics every single season, the people that are taking quarterbacks at the top are finishing at the bottom. So don't do it. Third round targets. So now we, we finish with players to avoid. Okay, so the negative Nancy is over. Now we're looking at the guys I like. From the third round on, Saquon Barkley at 301. He looks good. The only thing we've ever had in question was his health. And if he is back to being the crazy beast he was, it looks like he is, and it seems like he's healthy. So if those two things are out of the way, those are the only arguments against him. You might say bad offense, yes, but he's used as a receiver, just like Christian McCaffrey, who has been in a bad offense that has had less than 20 passing touchdowns his entire career that he's been there, except for maybe his rookie year. And that was the year he wasn't an absolute monster. Christian McCaffrey has been RB1 by points per game every single season he's played, except for last year, I think, because Derrick Henry had him by a couple points, but they neither of them played that much, so that's not really reliable. But Christian McCaffrey has been in a bad offense, and he's been RB1 because he was used as a receiver. DeAndre Swift was a beast. He was in a horrible offense because he was used as a receiver. Saquon Barkley is going to be just that. Kenny Galladay's washed. Sterling Shepard is older, washed, and I'm pretty sure he's hurt right now. They're basically running Kadarius, Cone, Kadarius Tony, Wandale Robinson, and Saquon Barkley with Kenny Galladay out there just because of how much money he's making, and they don't want to admit that that was a horrible mistake. But it's pretty much Saquon as the third best target in the offense. At worst, at at best, second best target, Kadarius Tony, and then him, depending on how Wandale Robinson ends up. At worst, fourth best target if Kenny Galladay all of a sudden becomes Kenny, Kenny Galladay again. So Saquon is great. He's getting the bulk of carries. He's getting the, I don't know, 80% receiving work from the running back position, and there will be a lot of it. And think about the offense that was ran in Buffalo. Josh Allen was taking a lot of touchdowns away from running backs because it's Josh Allen. Daniel Jones, he's an okay runner, but he's not Josh Allen. So don't expect the Giants to run as little in the red zone as the Bills did. They, are, they have a completely different supporting cast, and they will use their best players. The best player was Josh Allen and Buffalo. The best player in New York is Saquon Barkley, so he's going to be the one getting those touchdowns. So Saquon is going to be very good. A.J. Brown at 305. Everyone is over-exaggerating the difference that Jalen Hurts and that passing offense is going to be compared to the Titans. Are we going to act like the Titans threw the ball 
like 40 times a game because they didn't. The Titans were one of the most run-heavy teams, just like the Eagles. So if you're looking at similar pass volume being available and Jalen Hurts is in love with A.J. Brown and A.J. Brown went there to be with Jalen Hurts because they're like best buddies, do you think A.J. Brown's going to get targeted less often than he was in Tennessee? No. You think he's going to have... And when I say less often, I mean percentage. So if he was targeted X percentage in Tennessee, he's not going to be getting targeted less than that in Philly. He's going to be getting the same percentage of team targets, most likely. And that team is not going to be passing less than Tennessee. They have added weapons for Jalen Hurts. All reports are glowing about his accuracy being much improved, his grasp over the offense being much improved. The only run that we saw in the preseason... All of the praise we've heard in the offseason look to be true. And Miles Sanders is already hurt. And Jalen Hurts is looking to, to become a better, more evolved passer and not just run the ball nearly as often. So I still think he's going to run all the time. <laughs> but but if he is looking downfield when he's escaping the pocket, which it looks like that's what he was doing in preseason, and that's what they're saying he's doing in camp, if he's really doing that stuff, then this offense is not going to be running the ball 55% of the time. They're going to pass more than they're going to run, unlike last year. And there were times last year where they were passing a lot. They're easily looking to go back to that. So I trust that A.J. Brown, the talent he is, the fact that he they acquired him, they clearly are going to use him, and he wanted to go there. It wasn't just like they traded for him, so he's got to suck it up and go. No, he wanted to go there. It's all looking good for A.J. Brown. And A.J. Brown is one of the best wide receivers, if not the number one wide receiver in the league after the catch. I know him, Godwin, and Tyreek Hill have been like among the top guys at that. Tyreek Hill, usually just because... He's catching the ball and there's nobody left because he already passed everyone. So after the catch, he's just running into the end zone. But A.J. Brown and Chris Godwin are just dudes at pushing people off, fighting for extra yardage, stuff like that. Breaking contact, breaking tackles, continuing running. So A.J. Brown's going to be a beast. Kyle Pitts at 310, basically the 3-4 turn is really good. He could easily post 1,400 receiving yards. I mean, think about it. We've got a 17-game season. Kyle Pitts could easily be pulling in 85 yards a game. And if his touchdowns go up just a little bit, he's going to be a beast, an absolute beast. He could easily, easily post 14, 1,300 yards and seven, eight touchdowns. And I don't know, let's see, maybe 90 receptions because who else is there? It's him and Drake London and Drake London's hurt. And we don't know the extent of Drake London's injury. And he's going into year two and nobody can cover him. They just posted a video of him burning the hell out of, uh, oh my goodness, Sauce Gardner. And I know that's a rookie, but I mean, Kyle Pitts is, he only just finished his rookie year. And Sauce Gardner is like the best corner to come out in a draft, in my opinion, in like the last three or four years. So yeah, Kyle Pitts is a monster and nobody can cover him. So I'm taking him at the back end of the third round, top end of the fourth, because even if he was a wide receiver, he should be going there, but he's a tight end. So you're getting the positional advantage like no other. Fourth round, we've got Michael Pittman at 401. Everybody's pretty much talking about Pittman as a value, but somehow his ADP is not going up too much. I think it's because the regular, and some of you guys might be this person, the like regular fantasy player that doesn't really pay too much attention during the offseason is only now starting to pay attention to stuff. 
hasn't heard all the Michael Pittman stuff, hasn't heard all the stats, hasn't heard all of those things. And so that's why his ADP is still just holding because all those people are starting to draft now and they're not taking him as high as he should be going. But Michael Pittman at the beginning of the fourth, back of the third, it's really nice. He's basically Keenan Allen. What has Keenan Allen been over the last three, four years? He's been 100 receptions or close right there at 100 receptions, low touchdowns, but he's consistent. He's stable. He's not losing you a week. And he's getting you those 15 points on a weekly basis. That's what Michael Pittman's going to be. And that's really good because that's a very, very consistent low-end wide receiver one or top-end wide receiver two for your team. And at the fourth round, that's very good value. Same thing with DJ Moore. DJ Moore, everyone talks about and complains about his touchdowns. If you look at his actual efficiency relative to the team and other wide receivers, he's not bad at getting touchdowns. The team just never has touchdowns to give. DJ Moore's getting four touchdowns, but the team's throwing for 17. He's getting more than 25% or just about 25% of the touchdowns for the team. So Baker Mayfield is going to throw at least, if he starts the whole season in 17 games, he's at least going to throw. Let me do some quick math. He's at least hitting one and a half touchdowns a game. At least. That's not hard to hit at all. That's an easy barometer. That's going to be 17 plus what eight so 25 he's at least getting 25 26 touchdowns as a starter baker mayfield that's 10 more than what dj moore is used to so that's two or three extra touchdowns dj moore's way just from that alone so you're looking at seven touchdowns for dj moore and the same type of volume he's been getting same type of receiving yards he's been getting beast he's going to be great for your team and at 407 middle of the fourth round give it to me all day travis Etienne, 408 Still in the fourth round. Got three guys in the fourth round, three guys in the third round that we talked about so far. Travis Etienne at 408, it's really shooting for potential. You're hoping that Travis Etienne can get 10 carries a game and five or six receptions a game because those receptions hold way more value than carries do. I don't know if you guys can hear the storm. Hopefully that's not messing up the audio of the podcast too bad. But yeah, Travis Etienne, it's basically shooting for upside also, that team doesn't have any superstar wide receivers that demand a target share, so it's possible ETN is getting you know, 80, 90, 100 targets. It's definitely a possibility, especially with the, con- um, with the connection that he has with Lawrence from college. Now, in the fifth round, got three people as well. Fifth round, we've got J.K. Dobbins, Mike Williams, Chris Godwin. J.K. Dobbins, once he's healthy, part of the problem with J.K. Dobbins used to be that he went in the third round of drafts. In full PPR, he would go in the third round of drafts. And I always had a gripe about that because he was not used as a receiving back. Now, he's going at an appropriate spot if he never got work as a receiving running back. But now, the offense is finally changing to throw the ball to the running back. So suddenly, he's getting what he was being priced at before, and now he's two rounds cheaper. J.K. Dobbins... Once he's healthy, full go, it might take till week three, four, five. But he's going to be a back-end RB1, top-end RB2 that's going to be consistent because you know that Ravens offense is ground and pound. They're efficient, they run the ball consistently, and they're always in games. That's, that leads to consistency for a running back. So you're getting consistent 12 fantasy points a week with upside of low 20s every week with J.K. Dobbins depending on whether he gets a touchdown and how many receptions he gets. But you could easily see him getting three receptions a game for like 45 at the end of the season. That's going to make a big difference because that's not something that existed before. Mike Williams at 504. 
he could take over as the wide receiver one. Keenan Allen, for some reason, is still going in front of Mike Williams. At this point in time, Mike Williams should be going ahead of Keenan Allen. He has higher touchdown upside. Just He has a higher touchdown floor. So just in general, his touchdowns are higher. His yards per target are higher. The only thing that he lacks compared to Keenan Allen is receptions and maybe health. Maybe people are still worried about his health. But in the fifth round, I'll take that all day. Him and Chris Godwin are very similar to me, and they're both right next to each other, and they're both great values. Chris Godwin's supposed to be healthy. Mike Evans is already dinged up now. Russell Gage is dinged up. I have no idea what's going on with Tom Brady. I'm I'm your Bucks fan, right? And I don't know what's going on. Uh, it's possible something going on with his family that he wants to keep private, and he needs to be there for a family member, and he just doesn't want whatever's going on to be all over the news, and the team is cool with that. Or it's possible maybe he is. I don't think this is it, but maybe he is contemplating retirement. Even if he is, and Kyle Trask or Blaine Gabbert are the starting quarterback for the Bucks for the whole season, Chris Godwin is still a fair value at 506 in the middle of the fifth round. He's one of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL when healthy. He's going to be on a offense that likes to throw the ball a lot, and regardless of who the quarterback is, they're going to want to throw the ball a lot. You might be saying, well, Todd Bowles is a defensive head coach. Defensive head coaches usually don't like that. Yeah, well, guess what? The offensive line is banged up, which you might say once again, well, then they should turn to the run. But we got to keep up with with other teams. And what's the strength of our offense? The strength of our offense is their wide receivers. Leonard Fournette is good, but he's not like, you know, prime time Ezekiel Elliott or... Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry or anything like that. So you're going to get the ball to your playmakers. If your playmakers are the wide receivers, you might bring down the average depth of target of your passing offense, but you're still going to pass a lot. So, And Chris Godwin is one of the guys that rules after the catch. So we're starting to get to the point where before I was all over Mike Evans because we thought Chris Godwin was out till like week six, right? Then they added Julio Jones. Now Mike Evans is hurt. Evans is going to be fine. He'll just probably deal with a nagging hammy in and out for the whole season. But, I mean, that's what he's been for, like, the last three years, and he's been very good despite it. But Chris Godwin might end up being the better wide receiver of the two if he really, truly is healthy and really is starting somewhere in the beginning of the season. So, at that point, he's very undervalued. So, those are my favorite guys in round five. I'm going to try to speed this up a little bit because... I am taking more time on each player than I thought I was going to, and we've still got a good amount of names to get through. Sixth round, A.J. Dillon at 6.02, Jalen Hurts at 6.03, Michael Thomas at 6.12. This is my favorite round in the in the draft this year. The sixth round is my moneymaker. You are going to win. You know people say you don't win your league at the draft. That's true. But you are going to win your draft. You are going to win your draft in the sixth round. Between five and seven is where you're going to win your draft. Okay, because you got those guys we just talked about in the fifth round. In the sixth round, you have A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon would not surprise anyone as a top 12 running back, yet he's being drafted barely as an RB2. He is going to be with Aaron Jones, what Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt have been when their offense was better and more efficient. Except, A.J. Dillon is being priced way lower than Aaron Jones, despite the fact that Dylan's going to get more carries. Dylan's going to get more carries. He's going to get receptions. They've already talked about he wouldn't be surprised if both of them get 50 receptions. Guys, Devontae Adams is gone. Marquez Valdez-Gantling is gone. Christian Watson is a rookie who has not played. Romeo Dobbs is a rookie 
who's a fourth-round pick. Sammy Watkins never stays on the field and has bounced. At this point, he's just a wide receiver rental for depth who just bounced from team to team to team to team. Randall Cobb is old. Amari Rodgers is good, but they're not giving him run. So what are you looking at? Alan Lazard. That's it. It's pretty much Alan Lazard. Those are the, that's the only guy that's going to threaten touchdowns from these dudes. And they're not going to throw the ball nearly as much to the wide receiver position as they always have because they don't have a stud. As much as Rodgers likes Lazard, he's not a stud. He's good, and I think he's also a very good value that we'll talk about in a little bit. But A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones are going to be getting a lot of receptions. They're going to be getting a lot of carries. The offense might run through the run game. Now, I don't mean percentage-wise. I still think they're going to pass more than run, but they're going to be somewhere around that 55-45 split, and that's very good for running backs. And if Aaron Jones goes down, holy moly, A.J. Dillon is a top six or top eight running back locked in. Same thing for Aaron Jones if A.J. Dillon goes down, except Aaron Jones is going in the back end of the first, top end of the second round, so you're not really getting crazy value for him. But for A.J. Dillon, you are, because you're getting an RB2 if Aaron Jones stays healthy for the whole season. And if Aaron Jones gets hurt, you're getting an RB1. Both of those are great prices at 602. Jalen Hurts at 603. Guys, he runs more than Lamar, attempts-wise. Lamar will get more yardage. But he runs more than Lamar, or did, probably not this year. He has the most or the same points per game as Patrick Mahomes in his career so far. And he just added... A.J. Brown, an elite wide receiver, probably a top five wide receiver in the NFL in terms of talent, not fantasy. He could be in fantasy. We'll see. But in terms of talent, he's a top five wide receiver. And so not only do you have A.J. Brown being added, but you've got Devonta Smith going into year two after a very good, quiet rookie year. And Jalen Hurts is basically entering his second year as an NFL starter because his first year he played like four regular season games. So last year it was basically his rookie season as a starter. This is basically his sophomore year as a starter. And he looks to be more accurate. He looks to understand the offense better, to be able to go through reads better. It's his second year with an offen- with this offensive scheme and offensive coordinator. It says second year with this head coach. It's his second year with Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. All of this stuff is gelling. And if he was so good as a fantasy quarterback last year, there's no way he's going to be worse. Because the one thing people always are debating is, are the Eagles going to run like crazy or are they going to pass like they did because they had splits last year they had half the season where they ran a bunch and barely passed and half the season where they passed a bunch and barely ran well guess what neither of those situations is bad for Jalen Hurts whether they run a lot then he's getting more carries more ground points or whether they pass a lot then he's thrown to these superstars and getting more passing touchdowns passing yards both situations are good for Jalen Hurts he's one of those few quarterbacks that thrives in a run first offense just like Lamar Jackson so yeah I'm all over Jalen Hurts and to be honest honestly would throw ADP out the window I'm taking Jalen Hurts as my QB2 this year maybe QB3 him and him and Kyler would be pretty close but I think Kyler has a much lower floor than Jalen Hurts does because I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to get benched and he has better weapons and is bigger and sturdier than Kyler so I would say that he has a higher floor than Kyler and because of that, Jalen Hurts would probably be my QB2 on the season, maybe QB3 on the season. And he's going as QB6 right now in the sixth round. Then we've got Michael Thomas at 612. 
Michael Thomas is not going to be the Michael Thomas he was with Drew Brees, but he might not be very far off. And if he's not far off, 6-12 is ridiculous. Michael Thomas was going in the first round when he had Drew Brees every year after he had his breakout. And now he's going in the sixth round because of Jameis. Well, guess what? If Jameis Winston is going to keep that job and if he's going to do what those coaches want him to do, he's not going to be the gunslinger from Tampa. He's going to be tempered down. He's going to take what's open, and that means he's going to throw a lot of passes to Michael Thomas. And he's going to move the chains with Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas has secure hands. Michael Thomas can grab errant balls by Jameis. And if he's moving methodically down the field, Michael Thomas is going to be the number one wide receiver by far for that team. And Michael Thomas right now at 6'12", that's just ridiculous. Seventh round, there's only one guy I really like, and it's Dallas Goddard. If you're not able, you guys know me. I'm a proponent of the elite tight ends. If you can't get Kelsey, if you can't get Andrews, and if you can't get Pitts at their prices, at their current prices, if you can't get one of those three guys, Waller I'm okay with. I wish he was going a little bit later, but I do like Waller. Um, I think he's worth a third, fourth round pick. Some drafts he's going in the third, though, so you're not getting much of a value at that point. If you're getting him in the back of the fourth or top of the fifth, like in some some other drafts that I've seen, that's good. But really, the only big tight end I'm staying away from pretty much is Kittle. That's just because he just disappoints every single year because of injury. That's really the only reason for me to stay away from him. Also, because we haven't seen all three of those guys healthy, him, Debo, Ayuk, all together, and all of them perform, so that's the other reason. But... With that aside, if you're not able to get one of those guys and you want to take a mid-round shot in the draft, then I would take Dallas Goddard at 7.03 because that's what his ADP is right now. Only guy I really care for in the 7th round. In the 8th round, Chase Edmonds at 8.08 and Brandon Ayuk at 8.12. Like I said, Ayuk and Debo have a huge disparity in the amount of uh, rounds between them. Yeah, Ayuk might be the better receiver, I'm not saying he's going to be better than Debo in fantasy points, but he might be really close to Debo, and you're getting a six-round discount. If you want a piece of the 49ers passing offense, just take Ayuk. Don't take Debo. Debo's going way too high. Chase Edmonds at 808. I like him a lot. He is going to be the number one running back in what might be similar scheme to what the 49ers did. We're not sure. We haven't seen it yet, but I'm assuming that they're going to want to run the ball a lot. They have... Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle on the outside. I think two is going to be good with those guys. And that's going to create a lot of open running lanes for the running backs. Chase Edmonds has already been an efficient runner. He is going to continue to do so, if not be more efficient with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, two of the fastest wide receivers in the NFL on opposite sides, giving defenses nightmares. I'm telling you this right now. No defense is going to go into the week versus Miami this season and be like, oh yeah, but what are we going to do about Chase Edmonds? And that's exactly what you want. Because Chase Edmonds is is not going to get like 20 carries because we know they like to split those touches. But Chase Edmonds might get three receptions a game, two receptions a game, but also get 12, 13 carries at six yards a clip. And all of a sudden you're hitting 80 rushing yards with touchdowns here and there and a couple receptions. And you've got a super solid RB2 and you're getting him in the back of the eighth round as if he's barely an RB3. And that's ridiculous. Brandon Ayuk, already talked about. Ninth round, Trey Lance, similar things to Jalen Hurts. He just, in my opinion, is probably, well, he's definitely unproven, but he probably doesn't have as good of weapons. I know that might be a kind of a hot take, but A.J. Brown, I'll take over Debo, and I'll take over um, I'll take over Ayuk, obviously. Devonta Smith, I'll take over Ayuk, N- not over Debo, but as a, 
maybe as a receiving threat alone, maybe. I'm not sure. Debo's obviously way better after the catch with the ball in his hands. But in terms of like running routes and stuff, maybe I'll take Devonta. I'm not sure. And then Dallas Goddard is healthy and kills never healthy. So I'll take Dallas Goddard. So Jalen Hurts might have better weapons. He has probably a better offensive line. And we know already how much he runs. And we've seen him get better as a passer. We haven't seen that from Trey Lance yet. We haven't seen him really shine as a passer. We know he's got a good deep ball. We know he can hit a guy who's open. But we don't really know how consistently he can run an offense as a passing quarterback yet. I do think he'll run and produce as many fantasy points on the ground as Jalen Hurts or almost. Jalen Hurts might have him in touchdowns though. But basically, you're getting a similar player to Jalen Hurts just with more risk and less security in the ninth round. And that's a great price. Ramondre Stevenson at 907. Love him. I loved him coming out. He was one of the sleeper uh, rookies that I was telling you guys to take in rookie drafts last year before he ever got played. I told you guys he was like a mini Marshawn to me, and that's what he looks like. That's what he runs like. That's the respect he's getting right now from the Patriots, and he's starting to get utilized and taught how to be a receiving running back for them, and he's looking good doing it, so that that would be game-changing. I, ha- I liked him a lot here before that, and with that news and his ADP not even really changing since the news, only by like half a round, maybe like 10 picks because he was going in the 10th before. Now he's at 907. That's insane. Ramondre Stevenson is going to be a very good, solid flex play for you. And whenever you have bye weeks for your running backs or injuries, he can fill in to that RB2 spot and he'll be fine. So Ramondre Stevenson at the middle of the ninth round, I like him a lot. And then Alan Lazard at 912, going to be the number one wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers. There's not much else you need to say. He's going to be the number one wide receiver from Aaron Rodgers. He's going to get the most red zone targets from Aaron Rodgers out of anybody. And that's all you need. Tenth round, I like Chris Olave in case Michael Thomas ends up getting re-injured. Or also, they're just, they just end up having a decent offense. Because if Jameis doesn't really want to throw the ball, if he continues his trend of not throwing the ball very much to running backs, and he's not throwing the ball all the time to Alvin Kamara, then Chris Olave and Michael Thomas are both going to be getting obviously Michael Thomas more, but they'll be combining for 200 receptions maybe. Or maybe, let's say 180, okay? Michael Thomas could have 100 and Chris Olave could have 80. It's a, it's a possibility. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but like I would put it at like a 25, 50% chance that that happens. Chris Olave is one of those rookie wide receivers that you want to take that shot at. Kadarius Toney at 10.07, right behind Olave. He is going to be the number one wide receiver in New York. I don't think I have any question about that. As long as you're willing to take the risk of him not staying healthy. If you're willing to take that risk, if he stays healthy, he's absolutely the number one wide receiver in that offense. So that's why I like Kadarius. You're getting, you know, a wide receiver one for a team in the 10th round. That's a great price. Then we've got two guys left. Damian Pierce in the 11th round. I'm not a huge Damian Pierce guy in Dynasty because I think that they're going to find somebody much better than him and they're going to add names to the room. But for this year alone, for redraft purposes, Damian Pierce is going to get a lot of carries, a lot of touches. That might not be a great offense, but the volume alone should make him pretty good. So I like him there in the 11th round. And then Cole Komet, if you're not able to get those top-tier tight ends and you don't want to take a swing at Goddard, take a swing at Cole Komet towards the back of your draft in the 11th round. He's going at 11-6. He is what we always talk about. We want the tight end to be either the number one or number two target on the team. Cole Komet is absolutely the number two target on the team. I don't know who else would be above him. Velas Jones is not going to be above him. We haven't heard much of Velas Jones this entire offseason. None of the guys have looked good 
for Chicago outside of Darnell Mooney. So it's going to be Mooney and Komet. So Komet's the number two target. That's what you want in the 11th round. It's possible he ends up getting 60-something, 70-something receptions. So depending on how how pass-heavy they decide to be with Justin Fields. With that said, guys, those are... Oh, I don't know why I keep yawning. And the storm. This podcast, <laughs> this podcast audio might be terrible. If it is, I apologize. But we're we're here for the content, right? We're here for the content, and I'm trying to give you guys basically my draft guide. And I just did this. I just basically sent this to somebody, and they just drafted. And I think their team looks great. I'm very excited for them. My one of my buddies. So first round, avoid Derrick Henry. Second round, avoid Nick Chubb, Debo Samuel, Josh Allen. Third round, target. Target, Saquon Barkley, A.J. Brown, Kyle Pitts. Fourth round, Michael Pittman, D.J. Moore, Travis Etienne. Fifth round, J.K. Dobbins, Mike Williams, Chris Godwin. Sixth round, A.J. Dillon, Jalen Hurts, Michael Thomas. That is my favorite round. Those are the three names I'm endorsing the most. A.J. Dillon, Jalen Hurts, Michael Thomas. Those are my three favorite values in the entire draft. Seventh round, Dallas Goddard. Eighth round, Chase Edmonds, Brandon Ayuk. Ninth round, Trey Lance, Ramondre Stevenson, Al Lazard. 10th round, Chris Olave, Kadarius Toney. 11th round, Damian Pierce, Cole Komet. And to go back to those 6th round guys, the reason is, Jalen Hurts, you might be getting the QB1 at 6.03, maybe the QB2 if Josh Allen, nothing happens and he everyone stays healthy and he has a really good season again. You're getting possibly the QB1 or QB2 in the 6th round with Jalen Hurts. AJ Dillon, you could be getting a top 8 running back if Aaron Jones goes down, and if not, you're getting a top 16 running back. And then Michael Thomas, you could be getting a wide receiver one at the back of the sixth round. So those are why those are my three favorite guys. Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully this helped. I know I don't didn't give you all the projections, all the research that I usually give you guys for you guys to trust my opinion more, for you guys to trust my stuff more, but I couldn't push everything into one episode. I'm trying to get this out because I know everyone's drafts are starting, um, but these are the guys I'm taking this year. So if you want to ride with ride with me if you want to ride with deep dive those are those are my guys this year so thank you for listening thank you for tuning in have a good one also if Kamara slips to the second round in your draft please take him same thing with kelsey all right peace